everyone, and welcome back to We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. As always, Brandon, and I'm here with Paul. Yo, yo, what's up, people? Uh, here we go. Uh, let's get it. And we got Dan. Let's get this episode started. Giddy up. Absolutely. And uh, Giddy up. <laughs> today we're doing uh, season two, episode four, Mirror, Mirror. Original air date, according to Paramount, is October 6th, 1967. This one opens not uh, on the Enterprise for once. It's not moving through space. Uh, it opens with uh, Kirk and Scotty and Uhura and McCoy. They're on a planet and they're talking to three dudes in robes. And uh, all three of these guys have a, a blue dot on their forehead for some reason. And the sky oh. is purple. Yeah, and the purple sky. Yep. And uh, they're all actually just looking up at the sky and just watching like some lightning and thunder. And it's like the most cliched sounding TV thunder that there ever was. <laughs> I, I, I kind of felt like uh, every time they were supposed to be the dramatic Zeus is like, no, lightning bolt. Generic lightning bolt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the uh, the robed guy in charge, and I th- I think he's the one in charge because first of all, he's the only one sitting down, but also he's holding this weird little like scepter thing. And uh, he tells Kirk that uh, the Halkin Council, which they are the Halkins, uh, they cannot allow the Federation to mine their dilithium crystals. So Kirk, uh, he argues that they're, the Federation's missions are historically peaceful. And the, the head guy, head Halkin guy, uh, he expresses concern about the future of the Federation, and he says that their crystals represent an awesome power and that uh, wrongful use of it would violate the Hawkins' historical uh, total peace. So apparently they've just been completely peaceful for their entire time, like not even a, a shove is, or anything. Yeah, which is crazy when you think about that, you know. It's like, uh, I thought that was very cleverly put in because like, it's not about you. It's about your future, future people. Like eventually somebody may use it and take one life and – if that's a thousand years from now, we, we, we would not think that, you know, that'd be happy or we'd be happy with that. Right. So. But uh, but under their own logic, then, if they don't want to help out because something bad could happen in the future, like, should they even consider, like, continue their civilization? Because won't logically won't it eventually become bad in the future and somebody's going to get hurt or like there's going to be violence or something? Uh, they don't think so. On, their, on a planet, they can find a peaceful way to make things happen. So I don't I'm not sure. Well, they're illogical, and that's garbage. Well, that doesn't mean that they won't be conquered. Right. But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, if they won't give the crystals because they could eventually be used for bad, well, like, you guys might eventually turn bad. Like, you're civil- you guys might become space pirates one day. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, he does say that they are willing to die as an entire race to prevent uh, even one person dying from misuse of the crystals. Is that a... <laughs> Do they all believe that, or yeah, that's one guy say, saying that? I feel like there's somebody out there that's like, he doesn't speak for me. Like, yeah, I live. Um, so they get interrupted by the storm, and uh, Kirk calls old Spocky boy for a report on it. And Spock says that it's just a standard ion, ion storm, uh, but it is quite violent and unpredictable. So I, I guess like every storm. Um so Kirk and Spock, or Kirk has Spock stand by to beam the landing party back up, and uh, he tells them to plot a course that clears the storm so they can just kind of stay away from it for a little bit. So they get ready to go to their cool uh, positions to beam the landing party up, and uh, the Hawken leader just reminds Kirk that, that he's like, hey, the Federation has the might to just take the crystals, and and Kirk says, yeah, we're not going to do that. But that, I, I, that struck me as really weird because I feel like that guy was kind of like, Please take I, them from me, Daddy Kirk. Like, yeah. You have the might. <laughs> step yeah. no, step I on think, us. 
I the vibe I got was the whole like you could take him if you want to, and then like he's like, yeah, but we won't do that. I think he was trying to like say, you know, you could take the power. You know, I I'm getting confused how to explain it right, but I think it's more like a um, it's more like you you have the power to take it if you want to, and if you don't, then we realize you might you might be a better person than what you are, maybe. Right. Yeah. No, I think he wanted to die. Like, oh, I want the whole population <laughs> like, to be doomed. Kill me. <laughs> he just, he just, he just volunteers to everybody. <laughs> everybody drinks the Kool Aid together. Yeah, I think it's, oh I think it's just a, a kink. I think it's a fetish. I think he likes to be uh, made to do things. <laughs> it's just that's that's what he gets off on. Uh, so yeah, the uh, the crew beams back to the Enterprise, but the storm causes some sort of malfunction, and uh, when they start to beam into the bridge of their enterprise they disappear and they beam uh onto the enterprise uh but you immediately notice that it's not their same enterprise because like the transporter has a logo behind it that's it's just a picture of the earth with a sword through it and also they change their clothes somehow in the transporter yeah so they, they came out you know, wearing different clothes each other's clothes yeah of course you know yeah it, ha- it happens all the time yeah well i will see uhura uhura's uniform got a lot better <laughs> yeah, dude, I put uh, your she's jacked, bro. <laughs> like, yeah, she, she is, dude. She's really jacked. I was like, yo, yours jacked. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like I just I didn't see her being ripped like that in my head. I don't know why, but you know, yeah. So they step off the transporter to see Spock, and Spock's got a sweet goatee, and yeah, he uh, does. He's, he's giving off the Sorcerer Supreme vibes, and uh, <laughs> the the transporter tech and uh, security guards give them. Uh, <laughs> A really weird, uh, almost Nazi-like salute. Nah, nah, little, that's what it was. It was they do a little Hitler. pound on the chest, and then they do it. <laughs> that, that's the how Hitler. Come on now, it just a little it's, bit lower. That's what it was. They they had the pound on the chest first, though. Yeah, nah. well, they had to change it a little, little bit. <laughs> nah, that's the same difference. Yeah, uh, hey, we, World War hey, II we was already like, needed, we already knew that they were evil because Spock had a beard. They didn't have to do Nazi salutes. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> World War II was like twenty years ago at this point of filming. Yeah, so uh, it's been still pretty fresh for them. Yeah. Um, they want. They, I guess they really wanted to show that it was different. Yeah, <laughs> just come out doing that <laughs> well, the, salute. The Nazi salute and the mustache. I mean, you know, and the beard. I that's mean, the way it works. Spock looks good as fuck with that goatee, though. Like, yeah, yeah he does. Uh, same thing, bro. Yeah, beard gang. I yeah. think everybody. Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think everybody looks good. Like, everybody looks yeah. good in their uniforms and the off the uniform and stuff like that. Do you think uh do you think Leonard Nimoy, do you think that was real beard, or do you think that that was a prosthetic? Prosthetic. Definitely. Yeah. Really? Because remember he's clean shaving all the time, so I can't imagine them. Yeah, think about it, he's clean shaving the whole show. Yeah. So it has to be a prosthetic. Honestly. Well, maybe honestly. he grew it between seasons and then they filmed this one first and then didn't air it first and he shaved it. Uh I don't think he would go through that. I was co- I was kind of hoping that they would have gave uh Kirk, McCoy, and Scotty all beards also. Like, they just magically get beards in this universe. Oh, man. Kirk should have had a mullet. Like, if it was, if this was filmed in the 80s, he would have come through with, like, the best, or, like, the 90s. Like, just the best, like, flat top mullet. Like, that redheaded kid in Terminator 2, he would have had that mullet. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he would have come through that transporter in, like, a Trans Am, or, like, a Firebird or something, just rocking the mullet. So, anyway, uh, alternate Spock, uh, he asks Kirk the status of the mission, and Kirk's really confused, and he says that there has been no change. And so uh, Spock asks if they're going to use the standard procedure, and, and Kirk nods, like, yeah. 
And uh, this is when I got a good look at their uniforms, too. Their uniforms are awesome, and they get to carry a, a fucking sweet little knife. Like, all of them just have yeah. a little dagger. And uh, I, I changed my mind on wanting to uh, have, um, what's his name, uh, Khan's uh, uniform. And now I want one of these uniforms as my Star Trek yeah. uh, convention-type uniform. <laughs> the alternate yeah, they're, mirrorverse. they're cool as hell. Yeah, I want, their, I, want, I want their uniforms. They're better looking than, you know, the counterpart, their universe uniforms look. I know. Yeah. Well, I think it might be because we're so spoiled because the ones we have are kind of plain. And this time they like, they made them very, very unique and have fun with it. And when I seen you her, I was like, okay, this is it's like this. Now we can have real fun. Like what's going on? And everybody's outfits yeah. are so much different. And it just, it's real cool. I like it all. Yeah. Oh, they, they nailed it for this episode for, for yeah. their uniforms. Definitely. Uh, so alternate Spock here, he goes to the, uh, transporter console and he contacts alternate Sulu, uh, ordering him to do a phaser barrage on the Halkin cities. And, uh, he asks Kirk if the Halkins have any military capability and Kirk says that they do not. So Spock says that it's regrettable that the Halkin society has chosen suicide. So they're just going to fucking bomb <laughs> these people out of existence. It's just, it's just the, and, way uh, he, the way he said it too. It's so, so straightforward. I was like, that's yeah. not what happened, is it? He's like, well, <laughs> that's a shame. Um, so then he goes like, to the, it, it, he's like, it's what they wanted. <laughs> I mean, it is. They probably asked for it in this universe, too. Yep. It's <laughs> a good point. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so then Spock turns to the uh, transporter tech, who is uh, known as Mr. Kyle, and he reprimands him for not compensating for the ion storm with the whole transporter issue. And he demands Kyle's agonizer. So apparently he's just carrying around something called an agonizer. And uh, Kyle's freaking out, and, and Spock takes this little device and puts it on Kyle's chest, and it just starts shocking the fuck out of him. And Kirk's just kind of like watching in horror as Kyle drops It was drops amazing. The wall. What an amazing, dumb invention they came out with. It was so cool. I was like, oh, wow. It's like that? You make a mistake? I mean, I'll let you know right now. Not to be that kind of guy, but I know my job can use some agonizers to uh, get the people <laughs> when, they, uh, when they mess up at work, you know, just... Well, the thing is, like, if you're carrying an agonizer, is that so you can put it on other people, or is that so if you fuck up, it gets put on you? Because then I'm just going to carry mine. It seems seems like it's put on you because he asked for his, remember? Yeah, yeah. Unless unless Spock didn't carry one because he's Spock. But more than likely, more than likely, he said, yo, let me have your agonizer and just do his on there. Yeah, I'm not carrying it at that point, then. If you're just going to put it on me, I'm not going to carry it. Fuck that! I, I but it's just the regulation not to carry one. Do you, you think at all that uh, Scotty's like, oh shit, I might have overdone on the drugs this time? Like, are we really <laughs> seeing this? <laughs> it's like, are we one tripping balls here, or is this really going on? Um, so I, I did. Uh, I actually looked because this episode felt completely different, even just in the beginning, from anything that we've seen so far. And I noticed during the opening of the show. Uh, the writer and I went and looked the guy up and the writer of this episode apparently wrote what is considered to be like top three Twilight Zone episodes. So, mm. okay, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I guess he's got uh, some experience in, in writing stuff like this. But um, yeah, so we get the show opening and we do the whole Captain's Log. Kirk just details the changes and appearances of the ship and the crew and blah, blah. And uh, alternate Spock here approaches Scotty and McCoy and gives them orders to go fix the damage from the ion storm and help the injured crew. And then, uh, Mr. Kyle gets up. So it does not kill him. Just shocks the shit out of him. And, uh, he informs Spock that the power beam jumped as the landing party was about to materialize. And Spock is like, is that due to your error? And he's like, no, no, <laughs> like, I didn't fuck that up. I swear. And, uh, 
So Spock asks Kirk if he feels any abnormal effects, and, and Kirk is he starts to say no, but then he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. So, you know, the rest of us, like McCoy and us, we better go get looked over uh, so, you know, they can stay together. And uh, they go to leave the room, and Kirk just wants Spock to have the transporter circuits checked and blah, blah, blah. So uh, they go through the uh, – they're traveling through the corridor to the sick bay, and they – get saluted by several crew and and Kirk does the salute back but his just looks like shit like his is like just a very wimpy like just kind of limp-wristed yeah. salute. <laughs> like, uh, this is kind of awkward. I don't feel comfortable doing this. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> theirs are always when they do, you know, the salute part, theirs are always palm down and his is always palm up and I thought that was going to get him caught at some point. Oh, seriously? Like, his salute is just not good. Yeah, I didn't notice that at all palm the palm down, palm up. Yeah, he he just he can't do it. But uh they get to the sick bay and McCoy immediately notices that everything in sick bay is different except for a spot on the table where he had spilled acid a year ago. And what the fuck is the doctor doing with acid? Like who <laughs> what treatment is that for? <laughs> you know? Like he's just we don't know. He's just in the sick bay like, "Oh, you just need a little acid. That'll clear this right up." Oh, I spilled it on the table. <laughs> All right. So uh, they have a quick discussion about uh, how they felt dizzy during materialization, and uh, they come to the conclusion somehow that they must have been beamed to a parallel universe because of the storm. And I was like, shit, dude, they figured that out really fast. Yeah. You know, the salutes in uh, the beard, you know, whether yeah. they give away. Yeah, yeah, but toward the end, we find out that, uh, you know, Spot figured it out, too. So, like, yeah. And I, so maybe four of them can figure it out together as a group real fast. But then again, you know, Kurt's brain, he knows everything about everything. So yeah, he's the Kirk. He, of course, you're going to figure it out. He's a mathematician. He's a scholar. He's everything. He's, he's he's the Kirk. He's the Kirk. Of course, he figured it out. Yeah. So uh, they, they think about the versions of them from this universe and uh, where they must they probably went to, you know, universe A. And uh, Kirk asks Scotty to go short out the main phaser so that the Halkins don't get destroyed. And everyone then would think that the phaser shorted out from the storm. So uh, he wants after he tells Scotty after that, like, hey, you know, try to figure out some of this technology and, and, and see if we can use any of this stuff to get us home. And they agree that their communicators should be used instead of uh, the intercom in case the intercom isn't secure. So that's actually very smart of them to not be using the actual intercom because their communicators are like... Uh, encoded or whatever so it's private messaging so yeah, yeah they do that. that which was funny though they it said private messaging like oh once again they're ahead of the time like oh text message yeah yeah it's just yep so uh yeah scotty heads out to do his thing and uh kirk asks ohura to go to her post and run the communications from starfleet command so that she can uh tell him what alternate kirk's exact orders were and uh ohura doesn't really want to go but he uh he encourages her and uh, she's like, all right, I'll go do the damn thing. So uh, Kirk and McCoy, they start going over to the c- computers and they go through the library to try to figure out, you know, where they are. And uh, we cut to a little bit later where Sulu and Chekhov are uh, plotting targets for the phasers as Ahura enters the bridge. And then uh, she goes to her post where she normally sits and uh, alternate Sulu approaches her and he's got a sweet fucking scar on his head. So he's clearly uh, yeah. a bad guy. Yeah, how you know he's a bad guy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Dude, modern medicine there? They couldn't do anything with that? Or did they just say, fuck it, like it looks badass? They probably think it looks badass. They should be able to fix that up pretty easily. (laughs) Yeah. They probably thought this was cool. Let's just give him him a scar. 
to make that makes you a little see like scars make you make a little more evil look evil or two yeah. so i'm assuming that you know bad guy sulu he looks actually real, he's real good this part that's a real good job and, uh, and not to switch to the other star but as soon as anakin got a scar over his eye you gotta kick him out <laughs> you, see, you see of course of course it makes you makes you a monster yeah um the other thing I wondered too, though, at this point is, so these guys are, it's like alternate universe. Everything's kind of backwards. So does that mean that when they encountered Nomad, was Nomad just running around fixing shit and not uh, <laughs> destroying civilization? Fixing civilization. Yeah. Okay. And since like, you mentioned Nomad, something I didn't, I, I didn't mention earlier, but the first captain guy who, uh, who in charge with the blue dot on his head, uh, that guy yeah. is the voice of Nomad. Oh, okay. So he got an actual role then. Yeah. Uh, he was in the last two back-to-back episodes. I saw that as a uh, little note that he was in uh, both episodes. So he played Nomad and he plays right. uh, that guy. Well, that's cool. I, I like the the voice of Nomad. So, yeah. I didn't even realize it was him. Yep. Of course, we do watch these like a week plus apart. So, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Sulu asks Ahura uh, uh, if she's still not interested in him. And he says that he could change her mind. And she reminds him. She's like, hey, you're away from your post. And he's like, well, are Kirk or Spock here? And then he starts laughing. He's like, when the cats are away, or when the cat's away, and uh, Uhura like, reels back like she's about to smack him, but Kirk enters the bridge, and uh, everybody gives him the old em- uh, Empire salute, and uh, he salutes back, looking really pissed off. So, like, he's, you know, he's doing a little bit of role no, playing. Yeah. He's like, don't fucking salute me. And, uh, <laughs> he got, got too much saluting time and not not enough work time. It is a lot of saluting time. Like that's it's ridiculous. Like every time you're going anywhere and he walks by, you have to stop what you're doing and just salute. He, he should have just changed it. Like just do like a head nod. Like hey, right? Give him like a sup or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> way more efficient. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Kirk approaches Ahura and she quietly tells him that his orders are to eliminate the Halkins unless they comply. And that he has no alternative orders, so, you know, kill these guys. Uh, so Sulu says that he's ready to fire, but instead of having him fire, Kirk just orders him to stand by. And I'm like, why? Like, couldn't he just murder this civilization? Because it was going to happen if he wasn't there, and it would keep his cover. And, like, not doing it just seems like a kind of unnecessary risk. No, okay, first well, of all, wow, you want to kill those It was going to happen anyway. It's the Kirk, man. If, if, real, if, if that universe's Kirk was there, those people were going to die. Who is he to change yeah, but, the future? Yeah, I'm not that universe's Kirk. Wow. Brandon, is where, Brandon came for the heat today. He said. Well, the other thing is, too, though, if they switch places, you know, okay, ignoring what we know is the ending now. If they switch uh-huh. play, like if he got back to where he's supposed to be and this universe's mm-hmm. Kirk came back, they're dead again anyway. So fuck it like who cares he can't be in the every one scenario the they're dead well Kurt is the actually, one that saves everybody okay he's superman come on actually i kind of saw it throughout the episode of kirk's good deeds throughout the episode when he was switched places would put evil kirk in a bad situation yeah like, when he came back yeah <laughs> yeah but you know uh, and, evil kirk kind of deserves it because he sounds kind of like an asshole apparently if you guys want to dump that uh there are books that have the mirror verse like three books oh. are written in this verse, and uh, there's a couple like a couple of storylines here and there with this uh, universe. So apparently, it became real popular, and uh, people wanted to know about it. So there, uh, uh, Shatner himself wrote three books about the universe. Wow, so. I mean, I get why. Like this whole thing was was very well done. Yep. Um, 
But, uh, but yeah, elsewhere, uh, Scotty's trying to get the main phaser control room. He's trying to get into the main phaser control room, but a security guard stops him, uh, saying that he needs clearance from Security Chief Sulu. And I was like, holy shit, it really is an alternate universe because security is competent and did their job. <laughs> <laughs> That was my joke. Why did I have that one, man? <laughs> Me, I played my security all the time, and this one did a job, but I didn't. I didn't comment them. It's a good job for once. Apparently, the Empire produces good security. Yeah, they train them properly and everything. Um. So Scotty calls Kirk to report that there is no damage to the phasers, meaning he could not get into the phaser room. And uh, Spock enters the bridge and reports that the planet's orbit is carrying their target away from their lock. And uh, Sulu's like, oh, we can just correct the orbit and, and still blow these guys to pieces. But Kirk says no. So Spock's like, screw it. We're going to go to secondary target. And uh, at this point, Kirk turns and he tells Uhura to contact the Hulkins and see if the Hulkins will cooperate. So Spock is obviously like, hey, uh, what are you doing? This is not what we're supposed to be doing here. And Kirk just says that the Hulkins have other things of value aside from dilithium crystals. And Spock argues that the Hulkins have refused the Empire and their procedure dictates that they provide the customary example. So basically, it's like if they, you know, historically, if they disagree with us, we just kill them. Um, so Kirk orders Sulu uh, to put the phasers on standby, and he tells Spock that he, he's like, hey, I'm going to explain my reasons for this in my own good time. So uh, uh, she manages which, to get on, through. Which I do want to point out, though, that's a pretty good cover for, you know, Kirk in general, in the yeah. parallel universe, like, hey, I don't have to answer to you. Yeah, just be a dick. And everybody will be like, that's our Kirk. <laughs> that's our Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> you think in this universe, Kirk actually says bye to somebody at the end of a phone conversation? Or does he still oh, hang up? <laughs> Talk to you later. Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> That would be funny if that's how Spock figured out they were talking over their uh, comms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't say goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> he said goodbye. Something's wrong here. Um, so uh, Uhura patches the Hulkin leader through, and Kirk tells him that he has 12 hours to reconsider his position. And the leader just you know says that they're ethically compelled to deny the Empire's demand for the crystals, but Kirk threatens to level the planet and just take them. And... Uh, they just close. He, he he hangs up on this guy. He closes communications. So uh, Spock points out. He's like, "Hey, that twelve-hour timeline is pretty unprecedented." And Kirk decides that he's just he's just going to go to his room. And he tells Ahura to have Scotty and McCoy meet him there. Uh, but at this point, we get a quick little scene of Chekhov. He presses a couple buttons on his console, and then he he gets up to leave as well. So as uh, Kirk goes to leave, Spock says, "Hey, your your conduct has to be reported. Like I I have to do that." Well, and Spock is like, well, you're at liberty to do so. And then he just gets on the elevator to leave. So we go to the elevator and uh, Chekhov's in there and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, you go to this deck, whatever. And Kirk's like, yeah. So the Chekhov hits the uh, the lever. And uh, when the doors open and Kirk steps out, uh, someone just punches him in the face. <laughs> he gets all, he gets smashed quick. Yeah, dude, I mean, he's... honestly, like since I don't I never seen the episode before, you know, none of half, whatever. I'm sitting there. You know, I'm so I'm in. They got me. I'm in there. Yeah. I, was, I was like, oh, what the, where'd that come from? Yeah. Like, I, it was so, it caught me off guard. It was just like, bang. I was like, yo, what just happened? Like, yeah. And then once I saw the whole system where they had to kill each other to go up and rank, that was just like, I don't know. Whoever thought it was, episode was a great idea, man. Just, yeah, it just, it's really well I thought just, out. I, I, I just keep going, coming. It was really good. I liked it. Yeah. I, I, Cause I was actually assuming Chekhov was going to jump him from behind when the door opened. Right. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, he steps out of the elevator, gets punched in the mouth, and uh, two men grab him. And uh, Chekhov grabs Kirk's phaser and points it at Kirk, and he says that uh, Kirk's going to die, and that everybody's going to move up in rank, and that nobody's going to question the assassination of a captain that disobeyed his prime orders of the Empire. And then we go to a commercial break. So They're we come back from the- Yes. So we come back from the commercial break, and Kirk found time to do a log explaining everything that's going on. He's like, hold on, don't shoot me. I have to do this log real quick. And uh, one of the uh, men with Chekhov actually attacks Chekhov and takes the phaser. So Kirk starts fighting with the two guys that are holding him, and the other guy knocks out Chekhov and then disintegrates the two dudes that Kirk was fighting with. So in this universe, we still do lose uh, security guys. Yeah. Um, those two do not count towards our, our total death count, by the way, because this is universe two. So, so they do not count. <laughs> so this is... Sorry, if we're doing Futurama, this would be Universe 1, I think, or A. I don't remember. One of them is A and one of them is 1, because neither one of them wanted to be B or 2. So, um, so uh, two more men. Uh, this These guys in blue, uh, the, the guy that attacked Chekhov was also wearing blue. It's really weird because they have this kind of like gang thing going on here where like everybody's got their own little clique of people and they all wear their the same colors. It's just it's like this weird yeah. like. Yeah, just this gang thing on this ship. And uh Well, I think security security wears blue though. I think that's security, right? Well, like, uh, the security are, was in the, red. The color yeah. No, they used to be this it's it switched around too. Well, like, I think some people switched around. Like uh earlier I saw like Sulu was wearing a different color than normal too. Like I think everybody yeah, was wearing Sulu's different wearing colors red. the whole thing. Is it red this yeah, time? Yeah, Sulu's okay. in red, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I think a lot of people's colors are different. And, like, later on, the, all of the people that are on, like, Kirk's side are all wearing blue. But I, I I, don't know, like, if it just happened to be that way, that, like, the people on Kirk's side are just, like, the officers and the techs and shit, and then the people on, like, Sulu's sides are the security guys, so that's why they're wearing red or whatever. Or they did it, be- or they did it because they wanted to make sure they could distinguish between people for whatever reason. Right. I mean, if you think about it at our work, you know, if we split it up into gangs, would all of our people be wearing T-shirts and jeans or would all of our people be wearing polos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, two more guys wearing blue enter the corridor and they talk about how uh, the first guy, he's like, yeah, you, you know, you did your job or my job or whatever. It was a little confusing. And uh, the guy that saved Kirk notes that Chekhov was going to make him a chief. And he says that uh, Kirk could make him an officer. He's like, yeah, Chekhov was going to you know, promote me, but you could promote me a little further. And Kirk says, yeah, and uh, you might even make captain one day. And then they kind of have a laugh about it or whatever. Then Kirk knocks that guy out. <laughs> he gives, and he's he like, gives not on the, my the, ship. He gives him the Kirk smash, I'll call it. Says, wow. <laughs> now, now, even in the parallel universe, will Kirk give up his ship? Right? Yep. And uh, so the other two guys, they ask Kirk if uh, Chekhov should be taken to the booth. And, and Kirk's like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Just go for it. I mean, obviously, it's got to be pleasant because everything else there has been. <laughs> if you just <laughs> call it like the booth, like, you know, it's going to be bad. Exactly. So we go a little bit later and Kirk and McCoy and Scotty uh, are all in a room. And Kirk warns them about the officers assassinating their superiors to gain rank, which is frankly fantastic. It's, it's just got to be. A yeah. Show what, what, what a dumb, small, little cool <laughs> note to like that. That's the way you like add drama to something so subtle. That one little line that, oh, they killed each other for rank. That means that they have to be on their toes. No matter what's going on, they have to be on their toes no matter what. I like that idea. You know, very, very cool. I, like, like, you can never relax because the moment you relax, somebody can kill you to take your job. Yeah. Like, and that was a good thing for uh, Kurt, too, because Spock didn't want to be captain. 
Spock had no interest in being Captain S. So he was always like, okay, I'm number one. I got your back no matter what, you know? So it's like, I just, it, it just really, really, really was. I can't talk all of a sudden. Uh, really cool, clever. I liked it. It's interesting, but I wonder how practical it, it would be in, you know, real use. Like, you think your empire yeah. would be constantly just changing hands. Yeah, and you, nobody point. would ever know who's in charge or, like, what's getting done. I, th- I think that's the yeah. point. I think it's just the the chaos of the uh, survival of the fittest. And if you're not, you're not at the top, you're not ready, and then you just get killed and move on. Yeah, nothing would ever get done in that empire. <laughs> Besides apparently blowing planets up. Yeah, they they all stop to do that every now and then. They rule with fear. Yeah. So Scotty mentions that Sulu is the security chief and he runs it like the Gestapo. And I was like, okay, that's an apt comparison, I guess. And uh, McCoy notes that people in the sick bay were betting on how long it would take another man to pass out from pain. So they're just there watching this guy. <laughs> they get sitting there torturing people, <laughs> betting on it. Fight offs, fight offs, fight offs, bro, fight offs. Hey, f- 15 credits says he doesn't last 20 minutes. Ooh, like I got you. I can last longer. Put it here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That'd be funny. I got to imagine over. if you can't pay the Empire on a bet what they're going to do to you. Uh... Oh, my oh. God. <laughs> You're going to get yeah. the booth and the agonizer at the same time. At the same time. So, Scotty reports that uh, he should be able to work with the technology in this universe, and they... Uh, they use a computer to try to, they go sit at a computer. They try to figure out uh, if the ion storm is the reason that they were sent to the parallel universe. And the computer's like, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And uh, they asked uh, if that's why they switched places with their counterparts. Yeah. So, you know, uh, the computer's like, yeah. And uh, Kirk also confirms with the computer that uh, they could, he, he wants to know if they could recreate the events that brought them there uh, using the ship's power. And the computer's like, yep, you, you could do that. So uh, they have so, the computer. Uh, are record. the computers all knowing or like, I don't right. know. Like, I'm, uh, that's just a random, random question. I don't want to, uh, but it's like he, everything has the question. Like, oh yeah, I know that. I can figure it out. Like does the computer know everything. I'm just not. Right. It's the first time we ever seen him like ask the computer a bunch of questions and the computer just have the answers. So I just, I was curious, like if there's a, I don't know, like if this is the first time it's ever happened before. Yes or no. So the computer has a reference of it. Or a, a computer just calculated that quick, like, oh, that's what, what must have been what happened. It could yeah, just be I that version that of uh, their universe's computers are able to do that at that point. Yeah, just yeah, a it, small it, I tried not to question it too much just because they needed that to push the plot forward. But yeah, if you sit down and look at, like, there is is there a history of this happening? And that's why the computer knows that it can be done. The computer's like, oh, yeah, I, you know, we did four of these last week. You know, <laughs> people are always jumping universes. So, yeah, we can fix this. No problem. Yeah. Or did it go okay. through and like every possible calculation and scenario to make that work? No, the uh, computer is a big fan of the uh, the Jet Li movie, The One. Yes. So it knows already about all that. Um, so, yeah, uh, they have the computer uh, record the procedure for everything that they need to do to get back to their their universe and scotty says he's going to need some help and they look to mccoy and this is where we get one of those i'm i'm a doctor not an engineer but scotty just says oh you're an engineer now apparently that's the first time he ever says that too is that the first time yeah that's the first time you ever um scotty re- responds with uh you're an engineer now the first and only time he does that reference okay huh i saw that in trivia i was like oh that's interesting i just yeah, there's a there's a whole lot of first and onlys in this uh, thing that I saw in a lot of the trivia. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, Scotty thinks that he's going to need to tap power from the warp engines while uh, Kirk and McCoy use the computer to try to figure out 
basically how they're supposed to behave. They want to know about their uh, other universe counterparts so they can act like them and blend in. And uh, the computer says that Kirk rose to power by assassinating Captain Pike. <laughs> That's how he became a, a captain. I thought that was cool. Uh, good reference. Yes, it's good callback to old Pike. And uh, the computer then reads out that Kirk's or reads out his various exploits, just basically of murder and genocide. <laughs> Kirk's like, yeah, All right, I don't want to hear this anymore. <laughs> like, it, like, it's, like it's evil Kirk. Like imagine our Kirk, but like the evil version of him. Like, oh, he's a badass, but the other way. Like, oh, that's that's yeah. messed up. Um, I also noticed during this scene that the computer, instead of calling it the USS Enterprise, they referred to it as the ISS Enterprise. Oh, I didn't catch that. Um. Okay. Oh yeah, because so, they're the um, Empire now, not the. Uh, so it must be a whole yeah, different uh, the federation. The federation doesn't exist. Why is it that the Empire always has to be bad? Like, is it, has there ever been like a good <laughs> Empire in no. shows or like even in games? <laughs> not really. Well, well, have, you, have you ever played a, a game where you build an empire? Like, oh, I'm not going to go to war with anyone. <laughs> well, yeah. no, but that's that would be boring. I'm going to live here peacefully and raise my goats. Yeah. I'm going to now. I'm gonna. I'm gonna find a game to do that with. And barbarians come in and kill your cattle all the yeah. time. <laughs> um, so Scotty says that he knows how to recreate the events that brought them there, but uh, what they need to do is going to alert uh, Sulu's security board. And Kirk decides to get Ahura to distract Sulu when the time comes. And before they leave the room. Uh, McCoy just wonders, he's like, man, I wonder what the alternate versions of us are doing then on our Enterprise. And we actually cut to the real Enterprise where uh, alternate Kirk and the others are being thrown into the brig by Spock and the security force. And, Which uh, I wanted evil Kirk to have a goatee so bad. I No, I just wanted to have something. <laughs> Not even a cool scar. Uh, originally, so, uh, it was supposed to be um, uh, Shatner with a beard, actually. I saw it in trivia also. <laughs> They said oh, oh man, they should commit to that. But they said uh, last minute they decided to just do uh, Spock instead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the alternate Kirk, uh, he threatens to hang Spock by his Vulcan ears. And Spock just explains that uh, they're going to have to remain in their cell until he can figure out how to get them back to their own universe. So he he figured it out very quickly that they, <laughs> that's not really them. And, uh, well, they got well, as soon as they appeared, they did the little salute, and Spock's like, "What the fuck? Yeah, he's like, yeah, what, that's illogical. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what is that salute? That don't seem good." Uh, I really like this because alternate Kirk is super pissed about. He's he's like he's like, "What are these clothes?" He's like, "Where's your where's your beard? Where, where's my security guards?" <laughs> like, yeah, and I just love it. He's pissed off about Spock's beard. He's like, "You shaved the beard? Like, what the fuck?" He's like, and, "You uh, look so good with the beard." They, yeah. add, they added like some sweat drops to Kirk too, so he looks like he's a little bit more menacing. I like, yeah. like out of it too, like he just or just really they sweaty. Lot, they, do, they do a lot of reference of that when people are angry. They put like made like the forehead like have beads of sweat to like show you that they're a little bit more angry, like steaming. They, right. they do that a lot in old school uh, movies and stuff like that. If you notice that when people are angry, sometimes they'll like spritz their uh, foreheads a little bit like steaming mad, but it's a weird reference. Huh. Um. So yeah, he uh, he offers Spock some credits and uh, a ship to command. He's like, yeah, you know, if you let me out of here, I'll give you money and, you know, I'll get your own ship. And Spock just says that he finds the situation extremely interesting and he uh, he walks away. Right right there, my, right, I'm sorry, right there when he, uh, when uh, Kirk, he walks away and Kirk is about a security door. You notice like Kirk's halfway out the damn door. Like, like there's no really security wall there. <laughs> yeah, I actually, well, that's the thing is like I saw his hand 
Uh, it was just kind of holding it in the air like he was supposed to be resting it on like the security fence because it, yeah. it's just like a it's an energy fence. It's an energy door. So you yeah. can't see it. But then I don't know. I thought when the camera moved that I saw that it looked like it was actually maybe some actual plexiglass or something there. But I, I think it was just I think he was just trying to pretend like there was a physical barrier there. It, it kind of oh, looked okay. like there was kind of a, like a plexiglass material there because it looked like there was something separating. Right. Yeah, I couldn't tell. Um. So yeah, we go back to Parallel Enterprise, and uh, Spock meets Kirk in the corridor and tells him that he's pleased that Kirk uh, survived Chekhov's attempt on his life. And he says, hey, man, just so you know, like, I don't really want to be captain. And Spock says that he prefers his scientific duties and he's content to be a lesser target, which is actually a pretty solid plan. Yeah. Yeah, just don't. Uh, did you also notice there's a lot more uh, Vulcans on the ship, too? Yeah, and he, he does make mention of that later. But yes, they do have more Vulcans, which is weird. Because, like, what would they have done that would have led to that? That would have been so different. I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all. I just, maybe Spock just, in this one, Spock wanted it to be logical, have protection, so he has a bunch of Vulcans that, who are loyal to him on there, so he knows yeah, what's that going be. on. I'm you just know what would have been cooler if they would have gone with, uh, not Vulcans, but Romulans. Oh, yeah. Oh, what do you think the Romulans are like in this universe? Are they like the uh, Federation now? <laughs> that would be interesting. That's the thing, though. So, like, this Mirrorverse, there are, like, reference to other books and stuff like that, comic books, things like that. And uh, and actually other uh, Star Trek shows have did it a couple times, but there's not a – it doesn't seem like there's a whole big thing committed to it, so I can, we don't really know what all happens. Right. Yeah, so, uh, so as they're walking through the corridor here, they hear a groaning sound, and they turn to see Chekhov is being tortured in the agony booth, which is just basically, like, one of those things you come across at the mall, like the wind tunnel booth things. <laughs> it's <just>, it's kind of <laughs> like that. Like, it's got the half pla- like half dome plastic On over 12. it. Yeah. Like, yeah. no, not wind. Yeah. And uh, I don't even know. I can't even tell what's going on in there. It's just, like, some light, and he's just screaming. And uh, I like how everything's just, like, agony, though. Like, the agony booth, the agonizer. Like, just everything's just fucking agony in this universe. But uh, Spock notes that uh, Chekhov's actions warrant death, but Kirk's like, eh, I haven't really decided what to do with him. So Spock again questions Kirk's orders regarding the Halcons, and uh, he says that his orders go against the standard Empire procedure and the consequences cannot be ignored. And Kirk's just kind of like, are you, are you threatening me, buddy? And uh, Spock says that he believes that Kirk is an excellent officer and that their missions have been both successful and profitable. So I wonder if they make a little money on the side off of these. They probably they have to. If they're around here blowing yeah. up civilizations, they got to be like looting and pillaging too, right? Oh, they're, they're, they're not honest people in that universe. No, not at all. They're, they're, uh, they're more like pirates. Yeah, probably. like space pirates, yeah. One thing I noticed that um, their, uh, Spock, you know, their, his friendship has somehow remained even in this yeah. situation like even though they're really like they're at odds with each other here and there like you can see how different it is but they still have this underlying friendship with each other that like there's a small amount even he don't trust anybody he slightly trusts Kirk to be Kirk so he knows you know how to use Kirk to his advantage or disadvantage and things like that you know so I right. think that's really cool how they made the friendship like not be to the extreme but just in there enough for like you're like oh yeah it's, it's still they're still kind of the same people yeah, I mean, at the very least, there's a, a mutual respect there for yeah, what the other one is capable way, of. That's a good way of putting it, respect. So Spock just basically says, uh, he's like, hey, you know, everything's been good with you, but um, what you're doing right now, I'm not going to let that jeopardize my position on the ship. 
So Kirk asks Spock, he's like, well, do you think we should destroy the Halcons? And Spock answers that terror must be maintained or the Empire is doomed. So they're just like, we have to, you know, screw these guys up. Which isn't very logical thinking, but all right, Spock. No, yeah. They have, you have to keep people afraid, apparently. And uh, I think it's educated, so. Well, no, no. I think his way it's thinking is logical. It's just that it's to the extreme logical. So, like, to keep people in order, the best way they see is fear. Yeah. You know, which which they're, they're does the Star work. Wars Empire. Yeah, which which does work, but it's just it's not it's not a very nice way to to rule. But fear does work, so it's like. So I, I think this, it's, I think it's logical. Is this the same universe that uh, V for Vendetta takes place in? <laughs> these guys eventually just went to space. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was kind of hoping that they would reveal their Palpatine, who runs the the Empire. Yeah, yeah. it's probably just Palpatine. It's just him. <laughs> he crossed over. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, they uh, they agree that basically uh, they find each other formidable enemies. Uh, basically, kind of like, well, you know, I don't really want to fight you because you know you're a pretty formidable guy, but you got to remember, you know, I'll mess you up too. So then uh, Spock just leaves and. Kirk orders Chekhov to be released and confined to his uh, his quarters. And uh, which what do you just throw him in like the the alternative prison cell that you the know, brig? Yeah, yeah, the brig. Is, is, there is like, a brig, right? That yeah. we know there's a brig. So well, there like, has to be. They have the fucking agony chamber. <laughs> like, there has to be a brig. <laughs> is, is is agony chain, chamber the brig for them? Like I don't really. <laughs> Like, I feel like every brig. other room is the brig. <laughs> My only issue with some of Kurt's uh, actions in this whole damn, this whole thing is like he could have went slightly harder than he was to to make yes. them believe that he had things hadn't changed. Yeah, and that's like, the, the thing. Like, the agonizer thing is like okay, he's like the full term is like well then just don't all, as long as like possible, but don't kill him or something or like put him in the brig, like take him out, but but put a, like something to make it seem like a little more extreme. I feel like a lot of his decisions were so. So opposite of what the other Kurt would have been, like, it was a little bit too obvious. Maybe he well, just couldn't bring himself to uh, go down that route. No, you fucking fire Chekhov out of a torpedo <laughs> tube, and that way it yeah. dispels a lot of the, uh, the rumors. <laughs> no. Or you let him out the agonizer, and you just beat, beat the crap out of him with your fist because you're the Kurt. Or whatever, beat him up so bad you put him in in the in the sick bay, whatever. Like they, you just you know I want him to live. I want you know no, I don't want to kill him. I want him to live with the pain. Like let them know, like you know he gonna live with this pain. Put someone put some kind of hurt on him that he remembers forever. Like I don't know. I think there's just more ways to to get in line rather than just do the opposite good thing. So you're gonna get caught a lot easier. Right. No, I think you just put the little agony agony device on him and then dump him out into space while he has <laughs> he wants to smoke Chekhov, still. he sucks anyway <laughs> he wants all the smoke <laughs> yeah Chekhov sucks anyway and then people would be like that's our Kirk <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, oh. uh, so so we go elsewhere and McCoy and Scotty uh, they render a guard unconscious and they go into the emergency manual monitor room and Scotty hits some buttons and they start working on some panels and that's really all we get out of that scene so uh, Kirk goes to his quarters and he finds a woman laying on his bed and she's like, oh, yeah, well, sorry. Nothing new. Yeah, he's like, oh, I, yep, I'm really Kirk. But, uh, yep. She says that she fell asleep there. She had a busy day, blah, blah, blah. She gets up and she gets him some drinks 
and she says that she heard about Chekhov and, and Kirk's just basically like he says he gambled I won which is cold as fuck and it's a yeah. great line yeah uh, so she talks to Kirk about the Halcon situation and she wonders if Kirk is uh, doing something to further his career she's like what's really going on here and then uh, you know she just gives him a little smooch and asks what he's up to so he's like well alright if we're doing that shit then they make out a little bit but they uh, I mean, get interrupted. As the perfect girlfriend for Kirk walks in, has a drink poured for him. Hey, baby, let me get a drink ready. Sits down, yeah. talk about your day. Yeah, suddenly he's considering maybe not going home. Yeah, it, it <laughs> must be quick. nice to be the Kirk. Yeah, I, I'm considering not going home right now. Like, yeah, you know, the best to stay here. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know you're the Paul the and everything, not but so you know, bad. yeah, part like uh, it's not so bad here. Yeah, I mean, I would argue that he's more successful in that universe than he is in his own universe. Like, at least he's more <laughs> respected and feared. And he, and he has the, um, uh, what they call it, the, the destroyer. I'm not sure what the, the person destroyer is. We're going to talk find about it in about two seconds from now. But And he has that, too. Yeah, so they're, uh, they're making out, and they get interrupted by a call from Spock. And Spock just says that he's received word from Starfleet Command and that he's committing a breach of regulations by informing Kirk of its contents. But he explains that uh, he is to wait until planet dawn. And if Kirk has not killed the Halkins, then uh, Spock has to kill Kirk and then destroy the Halkins. So we uh, we go to a commercial break, come back, Captain's Log. Uh, same thing, explains everything that's going on. Uh, this lady, who we're going to find out in a few minutes, her name is Marlena. So Marlena, uh, she offers up a toast to Spock and Kirk explains. He's like, well, I'm not going to kill the Halkins and uh, I'm, I'm not going to kill Spock either. And she's like, well, do you want me to activate the Tantalus field? And I was like, ooh, it's getting sexy in here. Like, what are we doing with this? <laughs> like, thing? you already have. <laughs> and uh, she, she says that, uh, you know, he Kirk should at least want to monitor Spock. So uh, he's like, yeah, go for it. I don't know what this thing is. I'm just going to say yes to everything because it's worked so well so far. And uh, she goes to this wall and opens up a little panel and it reveals a little computer. And uh, she's like, oh, I really hate this thing. And Kirk's just playing along. And he's like, well, it's not so bad at this point. She's like, Jesus Christ, this guy kind of is a dick. <laughs> and, uh, so she wonders, she's like, how many people have you killed with a touch of a button? Like 500, maybe, or 50, maybe 100. And uh, she just the talks Kirk about how funny. This, the evil Kirk is, oh, my goodness. This guy's a monster. I know, dude. Like, he, he's literally Kirk. Like, I imagine the worst Kirk in my head. I'm like, oh, this is him for real. Like, he's... Superman over here, he's a he's schemer, he's good at everything. Like, man, this dude's a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she just kind of remarks about how funny it is that Kirk rose through the ranks thanks to some unknown alien scientist and a plundered laboratory. And I was like, you know what? That's all the explanation I need for this device. Like that that works perfectly for me. At first I was like, dude, what is this thing? How did he get this? What does it do? And now I'm just like, oh, it's an alien device that he plundered from an alien laboratory? Works for me. Fuck it. Yeah, possible. Yeah. So Kirk uh, remarks that if you don't take advantage of your opportunities, you don't rise to command of a starship. And they're just kind of like, yay. And uh, they turn on the computer and a screen shows Spock just kind of hanging out in a chair. So uh, Marlena talks about how amazing Spock's mind is, but that it can't protect him from that machine. So she puts her finger over a button and she's like, so if I press this button, Spock's going to die. But uh, Kirk grabs her arm and uh, turns the machine off. And uh, she's like, well, it doesn't really matter because if Spock fails his orders, he's going to be killed anyway. And Kirk's like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll get him cleared. It's not a really big deal. And so she starts to wonder what kind of uh, what plan of Kirk's would have him not even fearing Starfleet command. She's like, what are you doing that you're not even worried about, you know, what will happen if you don't follow orders? And 
Like, how do I and fit into this? And for some reason, yeah. that just got her more and more hot for him. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, hey, stop it. You're not afraid of nobody? She's like, oh, yeah, he's one for me. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was, well, it she's was like, very, normally you're, very... such, you're like openly an asshole, but now you're being mysterious about it. And I kind of like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the, I like the scene. It's really cool. Yeah. So she asks how she fits into Kirk's plans. And he's like, well, how do you want to fit into my plans? And then she just goes to another room. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's, like, she's like, oh, I know what you mean. <laughs> so uh, when she leaves, uh, Kirk just decides to have an open conversation with Scotty as if nobody's like on the other side of that door. And uh, warns him that they have a three-hour time limit now. And Scotty Which, says... First, hold on. When he first called Scotty up, I'm like, is he going to tell Scotty he's about to get laid? Like, hey, he's, you. <laughs> he's like, hey, Scott, guess what? <laughs> Scotty's like, yeah, I kind of figured. Like, you <laughs> are, the, you Kirk. are the Kirk. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Scotty says that they only have half an hour because uh, of the way the two-way matter transmission density changes and... He says that uh, if they, they miss their window to get back, then they won't be able to get back at all. Uh, so Scotty needs Kirk to go uh, free the board in the... I don't, this this one, this really confused me because he's like, oh, I need you to go free a board and then so I can transfer power. Like, what what board? Like, where? <laughs> yeah. Where? I, I do want to add something really quick. Uh, we haven't had to do, like, the countdown times thing that we were doing a bunch in the first season, but I felt yeah. this one was actually done more right. Yes, I think it's perfectly fine. They now have two timers, although one of them, I guess, is more. The first one's more important than the other one. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think it, it does actually add to it for this episode. It's just so weird that they lean on that so hard. But uh, meanwhile, uh, Spock is chilling at his computer, and he asks the computer to explain the activity in the, in the engineering section. And the computer says that a security research is in progress, and it's being led by Kirk and Scotty. And he Spock asks the computer what the research is, but the program is classified, so the computer cannot tell him. Uh, Spock sees a light on the computer, and he hears some beeping, so he just starts talking. He's like, Sulu, why are you monitoring my communications? And Sulu says that, uh, so Sulu's in the bridge at this point, and he says that the security board has detected extensive use of a computer and that he was just going to inform Spock of that. Uh Sulu goes on to say that it's not hard to guess the nature of Spock's orders from Starfleet Command, and he suggests that, you know, hey, I think Kirk knows what you're about to do, and he might be working on an escape or some defenses. Uh, Sulu goes on to note that if Spock doesn't succeed in his order, then that order is going to fall to him next, saying that uh, Spock knows how the captain's enemies seem to just disappear. And uh, Spock just tells him, hey, I don't want command of the Enterprise, but if that's, you know, if that happens... Then uh, Sulu should remember that Spock's operatives would avenge his death, and uh, some of those guys are Vulcans. And Sulu's just kind of like, "Oh shit!" No, like, not the Vulcans. What, what a boss moment from Spock. Yes. Yeah, for real. And that makes me think that the Vulcans must be really deep into the the uh, the Empire over here, rather than over there. Yeah, if, and if they say, understand I, that they're basically hu- superhuman too. So. Yeah, that's why so, I was kind of yeah. hoping that they would have uh, leaned on them being Romulan instead. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it would so, add a little bit more continuity to, you know, last season. Right. Uh, so, yeah, basically the situation here is that if Spock does not kill Kirk, then that means it's Sulu's turn to kill Kirk. And uh, Sulu will then become the captain. But if Spock does kill Kirk, then he would be captain, making him a target for Sulu. So it's just uh, some really fun shit going on here. I actually really enjoyed the uh, the like small 
in fighting and politics of this episode. Like it, it's yep. really, it's I really agree. Good. I agree. Uh, so Marlena comes back out of the room that she went into and she's wearing like this kind of see-through dress thing. And uh, mm-hmm. they talk and they, they flirt for okay, a minute. They, and let, let's say, let's say, talk, let, hold on. Let's they talk, but here's, here's the line that gets me in this conversation. Okay. She, he asked what's going on. She says, oiling her traps. I was yeah, like, I, didn't, <laughs> I was like, Oiling her traps. I thought, yo, I can tell this is 1960 <laughs> things, but because it's just a wild way of, of saying that whole thing. Just that was wild to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this was the point where I was like, dude, I've been watching this for like fucking two and a half hours. Now I need to start, uh, you know, taking less detailed notes. <laughs> like I got to get through this. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they, they talk and they flirt and uh, she basically just wants to jump his bones, but Kirk's got other things to do, and uh, she worries that their relationship is over, saying that uh, Commander Kenner is going to take her temporarily then, and uh, she's going to go get a yeoman to take her things, but Kirk says, no, you don't have to do that. And uh, she's like, well, I want to be transferred to another ship so that I can go hunt fresh game. So, like, basically, this is just what she does. Like, she just <laughs> These girls just go jumps. for guy, guy to guy. You don't want me no more? I move yeah, up. I'm out. So they can advance their career, yeah. And... Uh, She's like, well, I've, you know, I've been a captain's woman and I really like it. And I'm going to be one again if I have to go through every officer in the fleet. <laughs> you know what you want? Go get it, girl. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's what I'm saying. The, oh, my God. The language. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Kirk just said, he's like, well, you know, you could do that. And then she just goes to hit him. But he catches her hand and he's like, no, what I mean is that you can be anything you want to be, which is weirdly good recovery, <laughs> really yeah. inspirational. She's like, what the fuck is this? The children's be book? all you can be. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, they make out a bit. And then uh, she says that Kirk is she's like, you're a stranger. Like you showed mercy to the Halcons and to Spock and now to me. And she's like, am I your woman? And uh, he says that oh, she's yeah. the captain's woman until he says she's not. <laughs> So, uh, which is which is good a good way of him saying uh not uh not saying he's a because he, he didn't he didn't say yes right like it's a way he kind of like you're the captain's woman but I'm I'm not the captain but right yeah you're the captain's woman so it's like I like this yeah so um yeah he leaves the room and then she goes to the Tantalus computer and uh, she turns it on and and follows Kirk around uh, it's really weird that he would just leave that unguarded now that he knows about that knowing that she knows about that thing. Yeah, but uh, he uh, he goes to an elevator and he calls Ahura to tell her that it's time for her to distract Sulu, and uh, Scotty and McCoy are putting some things. We got we we cut to them and they're climbing through tubes and they're putting these magnets on there, looking like they're doing something. And uh, Scotty signals for Ahura to do her thing. So we go to the bridge and Ahura approaches Sulu and uh, she's like, "Hey, like you you forgot about or, like you don't know the rules of this game," and she says that. Uh, she will protest him and then he's supposed to come back to her, but he didn't go back to her. And uh, Sulu's all about this shit. So he's like, hell yeah. Really quick. <laughs> <laughs> Just like snatches her up real quick and starts like kind of almost kissing on her neck. And uh, she looks bridge, down at his care. console and she sees that uh, the blinking light that was on his security board has stopped, meaning that uh, Scotty and uh, McCoy have done what they needed to do. And, uh, so she just fucking backhands the shit out of Sulu and just fucking smacks the ever-living fuck out of him. And uh, she, she's like, oh, I changed my mind. 
And he's like, you know, you take a lot of chances. And he goes to lunge at her, but she whips out that fucking dagger. And she's like, yeah, you do too. And I'm like, dude, who is such a badass? Like, what an absolute this fucking episode, badass. Dude, she but was hope, rocking this episode. Yeah, I, w- I hope that we see more of her like this. I mean, not, I mean, like yeah. this, not just clothes like this. I mean, like, like this is like her being like a really interesting character. Because every once in a while, we get these moments of her being really cool and interesting. And then... Then we'll like she was not a, then she's in the background again. But every yeah. time she's on screen, like she does really good things, and I love I like her voice, like everything about her. So I hope that she's in here a little bit, a little bit more as we go along. Yeah, I will say that I like this Uhura more than singing Uhura. Not that yeah, she's a bad yeah. singer, but <laughs> maybe they re-educated her into just like a, a badass fucking killing machine. <laughs> uh, in about two seconds, when Uhura uh, takes this uh, turbo lift down, I saw a trivia thing that was interesting to me. Uh, it said this is the only time you see her in that uh, on the entire uh, uh, season. Really? All. In the whole t- yeah, not season, like the whole entire show. In the series? Yeah. Wow. Yep. It, huh. I saw that. I was like, that's weird. I was like, that's a weird thing to know. And it kind of stuck with me because yeah. it was like one of the weird ones. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she gets, she like backs away into the elevator. And it's funny that none of Sulu's people did shit here. They're all just kind of like, ha bitch. <laughs> she gets in the elevator and she like tucks this knife into her boot which is like a thigh high newt or boot not thigh high newt a thigh high boot uh, and then she radios Scott and says that uh, she's headed to the sick bay because apparently that made her sick that's just where they're supposed to all meet um, so we go to the transporter room and uh, Kirk is there messing with the console and Spock enters with a phaser and he finds Kirk messing around with that console and he asks Kirk what he's doing and uh, questions Kirk's illogical behavior, and Kirk just tells him he's like, you know what, just just shoot me because we're just you're just wasting my time here. And Spock's like, well, I won't waste time with you because you're too inflexible and too disciplined once you made up your mind. But he says that McCoy has plenty of human weaknesses that he could exploit, and uh, he says that uh, McCoy's McCoy will tell him what he wants to know. So he's just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna waste time with you, but I will torture your friend. Yeah. Uh, so Spock notes that uh, he doesn't intend to disappear as many of Kirk's opponents have in the past. And uh, he's like, come on, we're all going to go to the sick bay together. So they go to the sick bay and uh, Spock goes to approach McCoy to uh, presumably torture him. But uh, Kirk punches Spock and Spock just easily fights off because like McCoy and Uhura and Scotty are there and he just fucks them all up. No, no problem at all. I Which enjoyed awesome this scene because, too, by uh, the way. Yeah, we like this episode at this point has everything, you know, it got the fighting, it's got the the drama, it's got the sci fi nerd uh, uh, science stuff. It has the really cool, uh, like dress code and everything like it, this is really cool. In this moment, like it was cool that we actually got to see a fight in it because I don't think we're going to see anything like yeah. that. Uh, the two things that I really liked about this fight is, first of all, uh, Spock loves double axe handles, and I love him for that. <laughs> he, he will hit that fucking double axe handle all day. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing is that Uhura was not just a uh, a spectator in this. Like, Uhura got involved because she's like, yep. I'll fucking fight Spock. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, yep. she hey, have you seen my ass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really expected her to just kind of stand back and do nothing, but she's like, no, I'll fight the, like, I'll, I'll fight the dude. I don't give a fuck. So, yep. yeah, she fights Spock. Um, so yeah, she does eventually hand some kind of like weird skull to, to Kirk and Kirk uses that to, uh, smash Spock's head and just, and knocks him out. And, uh, Scotty's like, all right, we only got 15 minutes left. We got to get out of here. And McCoy decides that he wants was, to stay on, and help on. Spock. I was gonna say, do you think that skull was actual bone? No. <laughs> no, I, no, I mean like, like not like actual bone, but like in the <laughs> right. show, it oh, was betrayed as actual bone. 
Probably, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm sure it was. I'm assuming. Yeah, so, oh, I, mean, I can it, see it that knocking Spock easy. out then. Yeah, yeah, it cracked kind of easy, though, so. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to get the dramatic effect. Um, so, yeah, McCoy decides that he wants help getting Spock on a table because if they don't help Spock, he's going to die. Which, again, who fucking cares? Um, yeah. But I guess McCoy does because he's probably like, oh, this reminds me of my Spock. So oh, well, no, probably, He's appointing a hypocritical oath as a doctor. You know that they yeah. haven't killed anybody, right? That they haven't. Right. They haven't killed anybody, right? Other who have been killed by their actions, but they haven't killed anybody yet. So I assume that you know how Kurt is. I'm gonna save everybody. Yeah, he didn't really want to do this though. He wanted to go, but McCoy insisted. So uh, they uh, put Spock on the table, and McCoy goes to work on him as they argue about needing to leave. Uh, meanwhile, Marlena is still watching on the Tantalus Field computer. Uh, McCoy says that he only needs a minute. And uh, Kirk looks and he's like, oh, I guess that Spock is a lot like our own Spock. And uh, he's like, all right, you got your minute, but, you know, get get to the transporter room as soon as you can. So uh, just then, I really didn't see this coming, honestly. Uh, Sulu and three of his guards burst into the room. And Sulu's got this, he's got a fucking dagger. And he's like, well, Spock has orders to kill Kirk. And uh, he's going to succeed in that. And he says that Kirk will have regrettably also killed Spock in the fierce battle, and that's going to leave Sulu in command. So he's going to make it look like they killed each other in this fight, and he's going to take over the ship, uh, which is real fucking cool. I, I liked it. Yeah, he's just like playing with that dagger. And uh, so yeah, we go to commercial break, and we come back from the break uh, when one of the men with Sulu suddenly just disappears. And we go to Marlena, and she's operating the Tantalus field computer, and she makes the other two guards disappear as well. What a terrifying uh, weapon. I'm curious that if the Tantalus field is going to come in uh, in the future or not. I wonder, I wonder right. if that's going to be something that happens. Because uh, sometimes they drop these like really big nod- uh, things that don't exist, and then they'll call, they'll call back to it a lot in the future. So I'm hoping yeah. that, uh, I don't know, maybe that might be a thing they come up uh, reference in the future again. Right. Yeah, that would be that would be something cool to see. Um. So yeah, she closes after she kills off the three guards and leaves Sulu alive and uh closes the computer, and then we go back to the sick bay and uh Kirk and Sulu begin to fight, and it lasts for all of two seconds because Kirk just easily dispatches Sulu. Annoying. Just, like, this th- that fight should have yeah. been better. I-, I was hoping yes. that would be like a evil Sulu, like really give Sulu a moment to be, you know, what I know he should be, which is a, you yeah. know, a badass. And we had already established at this point that Sulu was a fencer, that he was good at fencing. But, yeah. So may, maybe in this universe, he's just good with swords or like knives or something. Knives or something. Yeah, I thought that I, I was hoping that like him and Kirk would fight. And then like somebody had to help him step in for Kirk and save him or something like that. Like, oh, OK, this Sulu is a little bit different. But I don't know. I yeah. mean, I, I get I get there's a lot of going on episode sort of trying to pace it, pace it to get it going. But I don't know. I was hoping that fight was a little better. I would have traded like two minutes of the ending scene of this for to add a fight scene between Kirk and Sulu. A thirty, a thirty second fight, fifteen second fight, anything, just make it. Yeah, you know, he make literally it interesting. He grabs Sulu's arm and hits it to get him to drop the knife, and then chops him in the back of the neck, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it's about five, it, it's yeah, about, it's about five seconds the most. Yeah, you could have ten times that much and be okay, and be better off with it. Yeah. So uh, McCoy still refuses to leave Spock. And he tells Kirk to go to the transporter room, and then he says he'll be there in five minutes, and then they leave. Uh, and McCoy goes over to work on Spock and is basically instantly successful in bringing him back, so I don't know why he needed to waste all of that time. Like, they needed to argue about it, because they could have just fucking done it right there. But uh, Spock wakes up, and he grabs McCoy, 
And he's like, why did Kirk let me live? And then he does the uh, Vulcan mind probe on McCoy. And, uh, you know, I'm curious face. if maybe he didn't do that to Kirk earlier because he knew Kirk could resist it. You know, because yeah, he was like, oh, your mind, he said you're too something, something or something he said earlier to him. I'm curious if he, th- if he thinks he couldn't, do, like, uh, he, he considered McCoy's uh, mind weaker than Kirk's. Right. Yeah, that could be. That might have been what he was talking about in the transporter room. Yeah. So uh, speaking of the transporter room, uh, Kirk and uh, Scotty and Uhura all go to the transporter room and they find Marlena. And uh, we get to see as a viewer that she's hiding a phaser behind her back, but they don't get to see that. So uh, she wants Kirk to take her with them. She wants to go to their universe. But she sa- uh, he says that they can't because the power is only balanced for four people. And they, they don't know what would happen if they tried to put five people in the transporter. And uh, she's like, well, there's only three of you right now. And Kirk says that McCoy is going to be on his way. And he goes to the computer. So at this point, Marlena pulls the phaser and points it at Kirk. But Uhura is just like, uh-uh. It fucking takes it away from her. And yeah. uh, also takes Marlena's knife from her. <laughs> so we find, um, we get a hero badass moment for about two seconds. You know, she, yep. get a, she gives her a little chop and a kick and then it's over. Yep, because Uhura was like sitting behind Marlena, which is why would you pull the phaser then knowing somebody is behind you and could stop you? Whatever. Um, Kirk, uh, he's waiting for McCoy and Scotty announces he's like, hey, power's been cut, guys. We're screwed. And uh, he says that they can bypass it, but somebody has to operate the controls manually. And obviously this means that one of them has to stay and they will not get to go home. So, uh, Scotty volunteers for this, and uh, Kirk tells Scotty and Ahura to get to the transporter, and Scotty's like, no, 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 I'll do the thing. But Kirk says, no, you go on the transporter, and that's an order. And Scotty's like, all right. But uh, really, I think Scotty's like, thank God. I didn't really want to stay, but I feel like it would have been a dick move if I didn't at least offer. Like, I was really hoping he'd say no. Like, I'm just trying to give him his moment. Thank God. Uh, So uh, Marlena wants to know. She's like, what about me then? And then uh, Spock walks in with McCoy. And Spock says that uh, he had the power cut so that he would delay their beam out until they could arrive. And uh, he hands McCoy over to Scotty and goes to the console and tells uh, he calls engineering and tells them to reactivate the transporter circuits. Uh, so Kirk tells Spock, he's like, look, yeah, you're a man of integrity in both universes. And, and Spock's like, well, I really just want my captain back. So uh, uh, Spock says that he'll operate the transporter and that they have two minutes and ten seconds to go. So Kirk decides that this is enough time to try to convince Spock to change his ways and change the Empire's ways. And he says that logically, eventually, there's going to be a revolution and uh, the Empire is going to fall. So uh, he says that the Empire is illogical because it cannot endure and that Spock is illogical because he's a part, he's a willing part of that. And he says that if change is inevitable and predictable and beneficial, then logic demands that Spock be a part of that change. And Spark are... Spock argues, he says, oh, you know, one guy can't summon the future. And Kirk argues that one man can change the present. And he urges Spock to take control of the Enterprise and spare the Hawkins. Kirk so, is being uh, very wise, which is very good yeah. at this point. Yeah, he's just presenting the old logic. Uh, so uh, Spock's like, well, you know, a man also has to have power to do these things. And Kirk tells him about the Tantalus field in his chambers. He's like, yeah, there's a weapon in there that'll make you invincible. Uh, bad wording though, because then Spock will believe that he can't die. So, like, <laughs> and then he will die. He took I mean, it literally. <laughs> I mean, can Spock die? We haven't seen him die yet. He's been through everything. That's true. Yeah. Um. So uh, Kirk gets on the transporter, and he says that in every revolution, there's 
one man with a vision. And Spock's like, all right, I'll consider it. But I think he just said that to shut him up. He's like, "Where I like being evil. This is great. Like, shut up. Go back to your home. Uh, to, well, to him, this, this isn't evil, though. Right. Like, I think, you know, to him, I, I like being me. Like, to us, it's yeah. evil. To him, it's just, I'm just being me. Yeah, he's just out there having fun, fucking shit up, making money. Like, he doesn't care. Um, so yeah, uh, Kirk just has a little smirk, and they get transported to their ship. And uh, when they get back to their own Enterprise, the real Spock, uh, beardless Spock, not this uh, Sorcerer Supreme, welcomes them back. So this is, at this point, I was like, okay, we could have cut a lot of this. Like, this was the longest outro that we've had in this whole series so far. But uh, we are on the bridge, and Kirk is telling Spock that he doesn't, he's like, hey, man, I don't know how you identified the other versions of us so quickly. And Spock says that it was easier for uh, Kirk and the others, you know, real Kirk, to, since they're civilized, it was easier for them to behave like barbarians than it was for the parallel versions to behave like civilized men. So basically, yeah, the parallel versions came over, were acting like, you know, themselves and yeah, immediately pay attention to themselves. <laughs> yeah. Hello, everybody. <laughs> like, oh, well, wait a minute. Is that the captain? That'll sound right. Yeah. Uh, so Spock assumes that the others return to their Enterprise, and Kirk says that uh, if he reads his Spocks correctly, then other Jim Kirk will find some changes when he gets back. Uh, he won't be happy. Nope. So... McCoy notes that uh, he liked Spock better with a beard because it gave him character. Who and, doesn't uh, like Spock with a beard at this right? point? <laughs> and he says that almost any change would be a distinct improvement over their current Spock. And Kirk jokes that what worries him is how easily the other Spock fit into the other universe. And he says that he always thought that uh, Spock was a bit of a pirate at heart. So uh, <laughs> Spock says that their uh, counterparts were brutal and savage, unprincipled, uncivilized, and treacherous. And he says that he found them quite refreshing. He's <laughs> like, you guys are boring as fuck. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Kirk just jokes that he's not sure, but he thinks that they've just been insulted. And, and McCoy's like, yeah, I'm sure we have been. Uh, but then their uh, universe's Marlena walks into the bridge and uh, she gives Kirk this little data pad for him to sign off on or whatever. And uh, he's kind of like, you know, stricken. And he's like, oh, you know, kind of asks for her name. And she introduces herself and says that she was just assigned to the Enterprise last week. And he uh, he dismisses her. He's like, all right, get out of here. We made out one time. And uh, <laughs> Spock, Spock asks Kirk, he's like, well, have you met her before? And he's like, well, I haven't exactly met her before. But she seems nice, like a nice, likable girl. And he says that he thinks that they could become friends. And then uh, Spock raises an eyebrow and they just continue on their, their journey. And at well, that he moment, gets up and walks over to her, walks over to her as the credits close. Oh, I didn't even see that. I was just yeah, like, thank he, God, he, I can After he makes notes. that comment to Spock, yeah. he gets up and walks yeah, over up, to her. Yeah, like, hey, baby. Her, yeah. Like, yeah, what's up? I'm <laughs> Captain, Captain Kirk. What's up to her? Yeah. Huh. He's like, do you happen to have any aspirations about what, <laughs> you know? <laughs> 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 oh, uh, my But at the end here, I realized that I really want a shirt of just Spock raising his eyebrow. Like, just oh, Spock's head yeah, on yeah. there with the eyebrow up. That's just, like, that expression like, like that's I want a shirt of that. There has to be one somewhere. I don't have to look after this. You might have to make yeah. one if there's not. Yeah. So um yeah, that is the uh the end of the episode. Uh Dan, you want to start with how you felt about this episode? I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. I loved it. On every level, pretty much. Um, uh, I don't know if it was one of the if they were one of the first people to do like the parallel universe, you know, storyline for television, but they did it pretty damn good. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, this is 100% my favorite episode of the series so far. Like this is the, the new top spot. Like everything about this episode is fantastic. Like from the, the costumes to like the subtle changes in the sets, just all of it. The, the writing was amazing. Like this is, this is great Star Trek for me. Uh, so Paul, uh, it's crazy that I thought the last one was incredible because this this one made the last one look like it was not even a real episode. Like it was so like this is the <laughs> like this is the best episode by far. It's incredible. It's just oh my god, everything's perfect in it. Like it really is. Like the the costumes, the music, everybody's character, uh, everything's really cool. Actually, reminds me of uh, this old school show I watched called Sliders. Where every episode David goes to like a parallel universe to be like a slightly altered version of uh, uh, Earth or whatever. So I don't know. It was really cool. I did also see that um, there was a band called Spock's Beard. Apparently, <laughs> they, <laughs> nice. that uh, that got uh, put out to this. There was a whole lot of trivia, guys. If you watch this on the, um, we watch it through Prime, uh, Prime and Paramount Plus or whatever. Make sure you check out the trivia because um, I went. I read a lot of trivia in this. I don't. I don't want to do it all. Go it all for you guys, but uh, that trivia thing's really cool. So you guys can I really look in there and just see little small notes or whatever. I think it's really cool. So you guys should check it out. Amazing, awesome, cool. This is, I think, the one of the 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 episodes that if you're introducing somebody to Star Trek, I think yeah, this definitely. Is, yeah, this this and um, Nomad were both great. Which is funny because yeah, uh, I don't think they're ranked on the the top ten list for uh, Star Trek episodes. Oh, that's the insane. That there's well, I don't. I don't remember be. seeing them on the top ten. I could be Which wrong. One? This one. This, this one. This yeah. Ha- this has to be. This is. This is the best episode I've ever seen. It's got to be number one. No, I, I mean, like, I, I fully if, agree with you. <laughs> if it's um, not like if it's not regularly ranked in top tens, then that means that there are other episodes that are better than this, and that's how? fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way. Yeah. There's no. There's yeah, no, no this way, is, this man. Is, this is this is a good one. This is it for me. Um. Oh, th- Where's my other note at? I got one note that I forgot to say. Oh yeah, the only thing I wish about is the uh, we didn't see the mirror. We didn't see the mirrorverse people on the, on the Enterprise the opposite way. Yeah, and then I, and I always hoped that they were like, uh, I kind of went through. We never see the mirrorverse uh, people again. Right. It's no, it's no reference to them in all Star Trek like the, this particular crew. I, I actually want a mirrorverse see uh, a series now. You know, my idea yeah. series came out a lot. Like just like a mirrorverse, and it's just like these characters. Like we, we, I know we had to get different, um, like different actors or whatever. But I think it would be cool to like do the do the mirrorverse, like a whole a ship that lives in that in that universe or whatever. However, if it's good or bad or whatever, I don't know. You could have Spock overthrowing the Empire because that took, would be a real, uh, yeah. He yeah. took Kirk's you know speech to heart. Yeah, and then it'll be it'll be the journey of Spock and his that's his journey to try to. Change change the way the world with this, whatever it is. I just feel like it's just it's very very compelling to be such a, a good uh, a very, very good uh, 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 Earth. I mean, uh, universe they created just the uh, politics of it all. Like honestly, like I like Star Trek a lot, but unfortunately, the mirrorverse is actually like better than what we're watching now. I hate to say it, but I like, just <laughs> it just all the drama and the politics or whatever. I think that'd be really cool. So well, what's Star crazy Trek to mirrorverse. me is it's crazy how much. Uh, information about the other universe they managed to pack into this episode. Like, you yeah, get, Im- immediately, just based on the uniforms and the salutes, you get a very clear picture of what this universe is like. Like, you see the the logo on the back wall. You see the yep. little daggers, and then Spock's got a beard, and it immediately mm-hmm. tells you, like, okay, this is like a rougher version of 
you know, regular yeah, universe. Uh, very, very militant. Like, it's like, oh, this is, this is one of them ones. And then, like, it just... It start, with, with a little you, hint of, like, Roman assassinating. Yeah. <laughs> the Greeks and you, get, you, get on, you get on the journey, you're like, man, this is, like, this was, man, this episode was incredible. It really was. I yeah, guess. it really makes me want to check out that Twilight episode that the, the guy that wrote this one wrote. I guess, that, yeah, like yeah. I said, that's, like, top three, but I can't remember what that one was called. Uh, something about some kid that has... I, I've never seen the old Twilight series, or uh, Twilight Zone series. But, uh, um, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of them. It's he wrote an episode where uh, like six year old kid basically has like infinite power. And so like everybody he takes uh, this town in Ohio. It's a lot like um, uh, what was the the Scarlet Witch show that they did on Disney. And he basically like isolates this tower or this tower, this town. And because uh, he has this power and everybody is like trying to appease him where he like turns them into things or makes them like disappear into some cornfield or something. From, I, I from believe what I was the Simpsons reading. did a Halloween spe- special yes. of that. Yep. Yeah. One of their Treehouse of horrors. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I guess it's okay. one of the more well-known twilight zone episodes and, uh, same, same guy that wrote that one wrote this episode. So what was and his I guess name? he did some other stuff. Oh God. I'd have to look. Oh, that, yeah, back you don't up. have to look it up. I was just curious if you, uh, knew it off the top of your head. Yeah, guys, no, I refer you guys to, uh, also, like I said earlier, uh, the Shatner man himself apparently wrote three books that that take place in the Mirrorverse. So if you guys didn't know that, check it out. I, I don't know myself. I'm just going to look it up once I get out of here and kind of see um see what they are and wh- where they exist and what they're about. So, Right. Uh, apparently, this was written by uh, Jerome Bixby is the guy that wrote this. So, yeah. Did uh, episodes of Twilight Zone, uh, wrote the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, he wrote Star Trek episodes Mirror, Mirror, Day of the Dove, Requiem for Methuselah, and by any other name. I, I, oh, I'm kind of looking forward to who has uh, other Star Trek episodes. And... Oh, yep, for real. Right. Yeah, we're already like almost at an hour and 20 minutes, so yeah, if you guys don't have anything we're else, gonna we're going <laughs> yeah. to go ahead and end this one. As always, you know, Twitter at www st underscore podcast uh next episode is going to be season two episode five called the apple uh synopsis says uh kurt attempts to assist a primitive people that are ruled over by a computer named val oh come on we've done the computer things before yeah we'll see They're the computer ruler so uh <laughs> i mean listen every episode can't be the last two episodes okay so like i'm gonna get true. my I'm, I'm going to get my my, my anticipation lower, lower, just a tad bit lower, because yeah. I know they, yeah. can't, they can't stay at 10 of 10. Like, this can't happen yeah. back to back to back. If it does, though, I'm going to be like, wow, really? This is crazy. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, with that, uh, we'll catch you guys on the uh, next episode whenever that happens to come out. And uh, thanks for listening. So, yeah, we'll see you next time. Later. Later.